Hello and welcome to the Learn About ME podcast series. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Ruth Richardson, and I work for Action for ME, a national charity supporting people of all ages with ME. Today's episode topic is Learn About ME and Nursing, the sixth in our series of podcasts. All of our podcasts are available on Buzzsprout and Spotify, and we're funded by the Scottish Government to deliver a medical education project. This project aims to increase the confidence of health and social care professionals in diagnosing and supporting patients with the health condition myalgic encephalomyelitis, known as ME or ME-CFS. Alongside developing a series of podcasts, we are encouraging medical and social care professionals to complete an online module worth one CPD point to enhance their knowledge of ME. ME is a long-term fluctuating neurological condition affecting an estimated 21,000 adults and children in Scotland, and today we will focus on the role of nurses. Nurses have a key role in supporting GPs to diagnose, manage symptoms and improve health outcomes for their patients. Nurses can also provide advice, support and reassurance that enables people to improve their management of their symptoms and health conditions. They can monitor and track patients' health and medication levels, giving patients a greater ability to pace and self-manage. And I'm joined today by two guests to help me explore this topic further. Keith Anderson, an ME nurse consultant for NHS Fife, and Pamela Binney, a retired nurse, midwife, health visitor and clinical practice teacher and a carer. Keith, welcome to the show today. Could you tell us a little bit more about the Ladybank Clinic? Hi Ruth, thanks for letting me come in and speak. But about the Ladybank Clinic, well the Ladybank Clinic is essentially just a building. Uh, it's housed a number of different specialties including cardiovascular care, district nursing care, podiatry, health visitors. It, it's really just as a, as a venue and I've been based here for about 10 years or more and I've been nursing people with MECFS for over 18 years and despite having a fairly lengthy time specialising in this I still learn things every day but the clinic itself has it's been around for a while I also run clinics in, in other parts of Fife because the, the job is a Fife-wide service and Fife has a population of around 375,000 and that makes for a prevalence of about 0.5%, which gives me quite a few patients on a caseload to manage. And how does Ladybank differ from other practices? I think because it's the only MECFS nursing specialist service. And I'm peripatetic, as I said, so I'm, I move all over a Fife. But I think by having a, a name on the board and a title that says nursing specialist in myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome. It says a lot straight away. I think it, it recognizes that the condition is real, that it exists, and a nursing specialist post is required to help people with that diagnosis. And you've been working in this field for a while now, Keith, but what first attracted you to this particular area? I had uh, friends and uh, family who had a diagnosis of ME and in one case, it turned out not to be ME, it turned out to be a rare form of arthritis. It was my mother and my aunt, just really the lack of options that, that they had in coping with something that was so devastating for their life, unable to work from the age of 50. When you think you had a much longer career and, uh, and my my experience of seeing them struggle, um, not being able to play sport with my aunt anymore, she was really into 
biking, playing golf, swimming, and all of that just stopped and she wasn't able to do any of those things. She wasn't the person um, she was after that. And it was it was really awful to, to see. And when I saw the opportunity that Fife was setting up a specialist MECFS service and they were looking for people with experience in uh, chronic disease management. And I had a, a background in setting up or helping set up chronic disease management clinics in the prison service and in community care. So it seemed a, a good fit to something that I was enthusiastic in and, and wanted to make a difference. And I had personal experience of, and fortunately, the interviewers agreed. And I've been here for the last 18 and a half years. And you talked about your many years of experience in this field. And what would you say is the key thing that nurses need to know to support someone with ME to manage their health? Nurses are really good at understanding people. And I think that's what they're really good at doing and, and delivering. And they deliver what the patient needs and they can tell the difference between needs and wants. But the nursing skills, I think, were, were a better bridge between an approach from, from doctors and an approach from psychologists. They will look at it from a perhaps a singular perspective, where I think nursing approaches and nursing models, nursing skills and techniques are a much better fit for a complex condition like ME. And that, that's what I found. And I've been able to adapt models that are more beneficial to the patient groups because I've done studies and outcome measurements versus outcome measurements in, in psychology. And, and I know that the nursing part of it makes a difference. Previous listeners will be aware, as we did a whole podcast on it last year, the NICE guidelines for ME were updated, a long-awaited update. And what are the differences in care recommended now that these guidelines have been updated that you would like other nurses to be aware of and act on? The biggest thing uh, I think we all knew was the, the difference in emphasis on exercise and psychological supports or psychological tools and models to treat the condition. They don't treat the condition. It helped to some people and it, it helped to reverse the trend, which was always saying that people with ME just need to get out more and get a grip and they have dysfunctional illness beliefs or they have health anxieties. And there was all of these rude labels being thrown at people with ME-CFS. And so it's nice, finally, that NICE guidelines took the empirical evidence and took the up-to-date research results and said that this is not the way to treat. And many people with ME, given these uh, approaches, would get worse, do not get better, and should not be encouraged. And, it, and it's a good chance to address that and say, look, this isn't for everybody. You can't blanket approach everybody with these two uh, approaches or therapies and expect the same outcomes. In the same way, you wouldn't give every every diabetic a large dose of insulin. That's not going to work out well. Uh, and I think that the approach is finally changing more in keeping with understanding that the condition is not one of uh, laziness is not one of a, a poor personality trait, that it really does require a lot more. It requires complex support, understanding, pacing, recognition of illness, understanding hypersensitivities, sleep disturbance, gastrointestinal problems, food sensitivities, diet. There's, there's way too many things that go on with someone with ME to just dismiss it as exercise and positive thinking. And, and at last it has addressed that. And, and I was very grateful for, for the changes. And I'm getting a lot of long COVID referrals now as well. And every, every long COVID group that I've been a part of 
it's amazing the similarities between long COVID and, and ME-CFS conditions. And, uh, it, it's funny to, to work or speak to other specialties like physios and OTs. And, and to them, it's like they've just discovered this thing called long COVID. Think, well, if you'd been around for the ME-CFS training or, or come to any of the lectures, then this would be much more familiar to them. I've been trying to uh, promote investment in ME-CFS for all the time that I've been working here. And if it had come when we'd asked for it, people would be much better prepared for the uh, the epidemic of long COVID because some of these poor people are going to be suffering for a very long time. We hear a lot at Action for ME about the need for more medical education around ME. And that's why we have included within this project the module designed by Dr. Nina Muirhead, which people can take. It's available on our website if anyone's interested. But Keith, why do you think any nurse should complete this CPD training module on ME-CFS? I think all good nurses are looking to expand their knowledge in any particular area or field, especially one that's so complex like ME. Um, and nurses are always looking to expand their skills, be better at uh, how they deliver the best care they can give. And the best way you can deliver care is, is having a much greater knowledge of your subject matter. And a CPD module is, is one of the best ways to do that. And this is one that's most up to date, takes into account the, the most recent research results and personal experiences. You, you can't get much better than real life uh, experience and the CPD module will, will help. Pamela, what do you think is the most misunderstood part of ME? I would like to think that there's been a slight shift in public attitude in that whereas more people tended to view ME as a psychological illness, some are beginning to accept it as biological, but that's based on nothing more than my own personal observations. However, I do think that many people don't realise that ME is an illness of energy metabolism and that one of its cardinal symptoms is post-exertional malaise or, or post-exertional symptom exacerbation. And crucially, this affects how nurses care for those with ME. During my career, I was not aware of health conditions in which increasing exercise at a steady pace would be seen as being bad for you. We encouraged people to mobilize after surgery to prevent clots, to increase exercise for good physical and mental health. And generally speaking, that's good advice. It makes sense. However, when my son was diagnosed with ME eight years ago, he was advised by the medical professional to increase exercise in fixed incremental steps. And I quote, even when you're tired, make yourself do it as you're going to feel tired anyway. And I often wonder that if he'd been advised to rest and pace, would he still be in the workforce with a good quality of life rather than housebound with ME? and long since unable to take part in all the outdoor activities that he loved. Thanks, Pamela. And you've talked about caring for your son. What do you think are the main challenges of caring for someone with ME? Well, for me, initially, the main challenge as a parent and as a nurse was a feeling of helplessness. I was unable to make it better for him. And it was hard watching him deteriorate to the point of having to give up work as he began to observe that Many, both within healthcare and within our community, regarded it as a psychological illness. And we felt as if people did not understand just how exhausted he was physically and cognitively. However, as time progressed, our challenge shifted. His dad and I retired early to care for him and to be able to take turns in having a short break. 
recognizing that we're in this for the long term. Many people with ME struggle to get TWP benefits as their condition is so poorly recognized. And if they and their carer have had to give up work, money is likely to be short. So funding personal care can be difficult, as well as the challenge, of course, of finding carers or personal assistance. Our worry for the future is that we see carers who have been caring for their sons and daughters with ME for decades and are now needing care themselves. And we're asking for the same things that they were asking for 20 years ago more research into ME, education of healthcare professionals and specialist care. So we desperately need to tackle these issues. And what difference do you think it would have made to have got the support of a nurse who could do appropriate care for both you as a carer and the person that you care for? People with ME are tired of feeling as if they have to continually educate others, including healthcare professionals. And if we had been able to have the ongoing support of a knowledgeable nurse who could have helped us with the process of learning how to rest and pace, and with symptoms such as poor quality, disturbed sleep, and postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and many others, it could have improved quality of life. The emotional support for our son and for us would have been valued too. Feeling that someone was helping to hold it rather than feeling that having exhausted all possible sources of help within the NHS, we're coping with this alone on a day-to-day basis. My son had also been advised by the, the same medical professional at initial diagnosis not to look up social media or internet because, I quote, it tended to be negative. And yet we found that the support from the ME community and the third sector has been a lifeline. And what one thing would you like nurses to take away or change in their practice as a result of listening to this podcast? Well, when I ask my retired nurse colleagues if they can recall caring for anyone with ME during their careers, they say no. And yet given the prevalence of ME, they and I were likely to have met people with ME. People at the milder end may look normal, but what you don't see, of course, is the impact of the energy involved in attending an appointment or engaging with a healthcare professional in the subsequent 72 hours. People at the severe end are likely to be homebound or bedbound and unable to attend appointments with healthcare professionals, and most will not get home visits unless they're very severe and needing community nurse care. I would really like nurses not to make the mistake that I and my colleagues made in assuming that it's a rare condition and assuming that exercise is always good for us. Rest and pacing is the most important advice. Why should any nurse complete the CPD training module on MECFS? Nurses are unlikely to have been given information on ME during training. So I would strongly encourage nurses to educate themselves to spend an hour doing the CBD module and they will find out information that they did not know already. And I would hope it would spark a professional interest in other resources. They can look up the NICE guidelines on MECFS and Action for ME resources for healthcare professionals, talk to colleagues about it and tell it student nurses that they support about uh, the CBD module too. 
Thanks, Pamela. And a reminder that it's a free module. It takes up to an hour to complete and is worth one CPD point and is available to anyone via the Action for ME website. Keith, do you have anything to add to what Pamela said? I thought Pamela was great. It was, it was as if you read my experiences and it's, it's also um, heartening that you're getting the support and they are getting right advice and, and it's a pity it's taking so long. And I've, I've found a, a, a common phrase that many, many of my own patients tell me is that they'd wish they'd not met me years ago, but they'd wish that they had met someone who was able to give them the information they needed so long ago. And, and perhaps we, we sometimes miss the window of opportunity to get in and give advice and guidance at the earlier stage. And that's, that's another plus of doing a training module is if nurses are aware of these things, then we increase the odds that people are going to get the right advice at the right time and reduce the, the, the level of in horrible, enduring symptoms that, that this evil condition gives. I carry one collective group of skills, and that was probably developing the service and getting things going. And, I, and I've always said that any nurse with the ability to read and learn would be able to, to do this. It, it's just getting more nurses on board. And if more nurses were coming to the training module, that was one of the things you said, Pamela, that I thought was, was great. They said it might spark the nurses to come into this as a specialty. And that, that would be terrific. The, the, the idea that there could be a legion of nurses delivering care for this group across Scotland would be just just wonderful. Not all GPs are a good audience, though. I would say they can be very resistant. Some can be fixed in their opinions. Some can have their own views and, and be disbelieving or, or look at ME in, in a way that's not what I would expect from a, an open-minded GP who, who wants to do the best for the, the patient group. I, I do also sense a lot of frustration from GPs that they have a lack of options for for the people they want to help. They perhaps look at literature or guidance that's so out of date that means that they, that they offer the wrong advice, not because they, they mean any malice, but because they, they genuinely are ignorant of what the condition is and what it needs. And that, that can cause problems. So one of the important tasks of this, this job is to, is to educate health professionals. And I try and do that as, as often as I can. And some practices are very receptive. They do protected learning days. I'm able to do short lectures. I'm able to send them uh, copies of presentations and, and other things that I've done in the past. And that it's always well received. It's just about reaching as many as possible because I, obviously I can't see every patient with a potential ME diagnosis. And the GPs are the front line. So the more they know, uh, the better. But nurses have a, a, a role that's, that's really their own. And the more that they know, the, the better the information that reaches the GPs so that they can do what they do best. I just don't think GPs have enough time to assess someone with, with ME for such a complex background. And, and I spend hours with my patients and I get the information that the GPs need to hear. They can't do it in an eight minute appointment. Well, thank you all for joining today. I'm Ruth Richardson, and this has been the Learn About ME and Nursing podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Keith and Pamela, our project partners, ME Action Scotland, the ME Association, and the 25% ME Group for their support in creating the podcast for this project. And also, of course, all of our listeners for taking the time to listen today. This podcast was produced by Zoe Anderson. You can find out more about the work of our partners, ME Action Scotland are on Twitter or visit meaction.net. The ME Association website is meassociation.org.uk and you can also visit 25megroup.org for information on that charity. 
And Action for ME has a wealth of information and resources, including the module on our website, which is actionforme.org.uk, or you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Action for ME. Thanks for listening. Please do like and share this podcast and rate it on your favorite podcast platforms and tune in next time.